your skeletons and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul and seal your doom tonight. Spooky, scary skeletons speak with such a screech. You'll shake and shudder in surprise when you hear these zombies shriek. Okay, well, first of all, do you like the Myers-Briggs personality test? I do, I'm an ENFJ. I knew it, because guess what? That shit is just for people, it's Zodiac, for people who don't believe in Zodiac. Oh, totally. It is. And also, I'm an ENFP. So. so we're like we're like cousins. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, when, I when's think your my, birthday again? I'm a Leo. Okay, you're a Leo. You are a Leo, though. I am a you're Leo. a stereotype. I am a Leo, and uh, I, I also like to throw in the house from uh, from Harry Potter. I first first test was Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. Second test at an older age was Hufflepuff. Really? Third test off of Pottermore was Slytherin. Mm-hmm. So I've been all over the spectrum, but God. I but I. <laughs> Because I'm a Leo, I'm partial to saying I'm a Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. Just a lot, I'm a lot more that than I am a Hufflepuff. But I do like, I'm not the kind of person who shits on Hufflepuff, mm. you know? No, Hufflepuff's it, got some good stuff going for it. When it comes down to the Myers-Briggs shit, mm-hmm. like, um, I like to look up, like, not just, like, traits. I like to look up popular fictitious characters mm-hmm. with your Myers-Briggs. Oh, yeah. So, like, the number, I think the number two I got was, like... Dumbledore. Nice. Is an ENFJ. That's amazing. And I was just like, that's fucking cool. Yeah, I looked up like historical figures and I know that's that some major one. dictator had like, it was like an, a couple of them actually were like ENFPs. So I think that tells you everything you need to know about And me. then what's your, what's your zodiac sign? I'm a Libra. Libra. And, yeah, okay. believe it or not, I'm actually a pretty like embarrassingly stereotypical Libra. We're like, we like nice things. We can't make a goddamn decision. We're like, <laughs> that's basically it. Franz McBoohoo is a Sagittarius, and he could mm-hmm. not, he could not be anything less. Like he literally applies to every like dramatic stereotype a Sagittarius has to offer. Um, being the nice guy, but constantly being stepped on. Very and nice. <laughs> yeah, see, um, that's like Libras with, are always with the Leo. Like... It's just like. Must be center of attention, brings the whole room together, but ultimately, shit when when shit hits the fan. <laughs> like, you know, I I don't know what you're talking about. That doesn't sound like you at all. Like <laughs> uh, I uh, I also um, I also have to mention like I've never dated a Libra. So mm. what are there any more like fun facts about Libras? Because the only things I seem to know about are Geminis and Cancers, which are two of, <laughs> two of the worst stereotypes of a Zodiac for a woman to have. Oh, yeah. Because, and, and I can't get the fuck away from it. I swear to God, at least three of my ex-girlfriends even have the same birthday. That's amazing. How nuts is that? What is wrong with you? And they're all Cancers. How could you And I do wonder this? why I smoke so much, you know? Like, Clearly. I'm gonna get cancer from these Cancers, yo. Apparently. <laughs> No, Libras are amazing partners, I'm just saying. Because, like, we like nice things, and so we spoil people. And we're also super wishy-washy. Okay. And we're diplomats, because, you know, the scales and judgment and all that good shit. So we'll literally do anything to make you happy, even at the expense of our own well-being. At the expense of ourselves. So it's perfect. Yeah. We're great partners. Leos come off as real selfish, and I I don't think I'm that selfish. I am a little manipulative, though. I don't like to admit it that much, but I can be. Mm-hmm. Very, um just conniving, I 
Oh yeah, no same. I like you were talking about the houses. I, I, I said uh, I, I I am I think earlier conversation I immediately said like I'm a bit of an asshole. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I don't deny it um, at all. No, like you were talking about the houses earlier. I have literally always been sorted into Slytherin and nothing else. I've never had any. I think the closest to variation I got was the one time when I took like this fucking BuzzFeed quiz because I love BuzzFeed quizzes. Yeah. Literally anything yeah. that's like talking about myself, I'm really into. Figure out what you are. Exactly. Yeah. So they had like one of those BuzzFeed quizzes that was like, which two houses are you in? Which I think is excellent. And that w- I was like a Slither, like Slither door, I think is what they called it. So I was a mixture of Slither. There is and a Gryffindor. there is a very thin line mm-hmm. between Slytherin and Gryffindor, and mm-hmm. I think it really just comes down to. Uh, What's the reason for your decisions? Exactly. And Slytherins are more um, business slash self gain, mm-hmm. whereas Gryffindor are t- typically like selfless, courageous loyalty. Like, lo- yes, loyalty yeah. to their to their kin, loyalty to the people closest to them. And mm-hmm. I, and, you know, I, I get that. I've had the same friends for probably. Um, I know one. Uh, Sir, Sir Booberry, just shout out, like, I've known him since kindergarten, like, I've known him mm-hmm. since I was, like, literally six, so it's just, you know, it's, I, I definitely, um, I think if, if it was a two, though, I would def- be, definitely be a, a griff puff. A griff puff. <laughs> which a is, griffin puff. Which, which is fun to talk about. That sounds like some kind of, like, I'm just picturing, like, a griffin, like, you know, those, like, creatures, it's but it's, fuzzy. like, yeah, super fluffy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just this flying fuzzball of, like, talons and death, like, yeah. coming at you. That's amazing. Yeah. That's very yeah. fitting for you, actually. No, I appreciate <laughs> that. I appreciate that a lot. Uh, yeah, no, no, no doubt in my mind that you're a Slytherin, though, and that doesn't mean, <laughs> that doesn't mean we can't be friends, though. I'm friends Thank with you. a lot of, a lot of Slytherins. I, I'm really glad that I pass your friend test, despite my, <laughs> well, you passed my, my friend test my, a long time ago. Clearly, or I wouldn't be the sitting minute, here. The minute we've started talking about our own personal mental breakdowns, I think, is just, I immediately just put you in my pocket next we're to everyone like, else. <laughs> what are you, what are you talking about? We're, like, great friends now. Yeah, you're right. No, it's true. That was definitely the turning point where I was like, yeah, so we're friends So you were now. sitting on the steps outside of university and you were just like going through some shit right now and I was just like dude tell me about it (laughs) (laughs) and then you were like I'm going through some shit too and I was like dude tell me about it the difference between you and I is I'll chain smoke myself to death and you'll just kind of drink yeah it's great coping (laughs) I love mechanisms and constructs I love being healthy That's the last thing I am. Oh, life. Uh, so this is this is lots of pasta. If you can't tell, uh, I have Cannibal Siren here again after uh, what is going to be a 14-episode hiatus. You know, I, I like to cycle. I like to come back to people. Uh, I love having you on. Uh, I love your uh, your YouTube, your Let's Plays. It's Thanks, so, man. So much fun. That's uh, just a quick shout-out. I don't usually do the uh, shout-outs at the beginning, but uh, Nasty Woman Gaming, like, so much fun to watch. I love Let's Plays. Let's Thanks. Plays are fun. And you guys, uh, your entire crew brings, like, a lot of different little facets to the games you play, and I think, um, what was the last one you did, Overwatch? Yes, I actually yeah. did a, I was mainly doing a little discussion podcast because the new event happened, Uprising, and I'm, yeah. like, super happy pumped. about it yeah. and super excited. Pumped. A lot of people I know are pumped. I fucking love Overwatch, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, the thing I think that a lot of people... Uh, misconstrue just to go off on like a byline for a sec like feminism isn't about women you know like feminism is about everyone getting along like i think a lot of people miss that like definition it's really just about equality for everyone and touting yourself as like the feminist podcast does not 
and should not rub anyone as something uh, like that they can't accept like i think you guys have like a really good uh way of like expressing yourselves and Thank like you. you know saying saying that like you're bringing feminism to gaming is just like feminism should be in everything in life and the fact that people have to like fight for it and like make it like a constant effort is just it blows my fucking mind like people are fucking nuts trust me you have no idea how often we talk about that like in in our like because yeah. we have like little me we well not little they're actually really big and incredibly straining <laughs> but we have like meetings every month to like organize everything and we always talk about this and i think that one of our favorite things is whenever we get a dislike on one of our videos we're always just like yeah Shit, <laughs> yeah really? okay. we're always like all right we pissed somebody off so that's got to be a good thing right and i t- <laughs> actually <laughs> yeah no i could right. re- i could relate to that yeah exactly I I think on I think on episode thirteen I said something along the lines of well we got our first complaint today someone called us racist I guess we're doing it right like, oh God. <laughs> it's like if you people can't roll with the jokes then you're listening to the wrong podcast then we're not if we're not pissing someone off then we're not doing it right I guess that's kind of where I, where I'm like coming from because you know if you don't like feminism like why are you listening yeah, why are you not, watching a feminist then video one, then one you shouldn't be a human being and two you shouldn't be watching this shit who the fuck is calling me get the fuck out of here yeah this is our time get away it's <laughs> so as talking speaking of being the center of attention what else was i gonna say oh i had a really fun conversation i'm not fuck like fun say, like actually fun or no, fun like, like i wanted to like kill fun, myself it's fun, it's <laughs> fun because the topic is terrible oh um i forget who it was with it might have been disco dracula and now that i said his name i have to fucking talk about it because i'm fucking theme song he has <laughs> also i started putting the videos up on youtube Um, by this point, a lot of them will be up on YouTube, so I'm kind of late to admitting that. But, uh, been doing uploads on every Monday to counter the track uploads on every Friday, so I've kind of got, like, a four-day weekend thing out of it. And, um... They're great, by the way. Thank you. I, 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 uh, I draw all the title cards and all the cartoons myself. It's just another fun little facet I could bring into it. Mm -hmm. But, um, I was having a conversation with said, uh dracula member that i'm not gonna say his entire name of because i'm sick of playing that fucking song <laughs> <laughs> so for third episode was put up on youtube immediately taken down for copyright because i use are you afraid of the dark in in his theme song no way so i did i never thought someone would actually listen to the entire podcast and then slap us for overusing fair use on a song oh my god no i feel specifically you. something that stopped trending maybe t- like mm-hmm. 15 years ago like are you afraid of the dark ha- no 10 like are you afraid of the dark's last season was 2007 mm-hmm. like who the fuck in viacom out there is listening to this going no i'm not gonna let them use 45 it's... seconds of our of our song there's a little maybe like because i was talking about smoking weed there's like a little goblin that lives in a cage that's like from viacom so and he just sits there on, on like a laptop and Episode he just 24 is all through. about goblins dude. he just trolls through youtube and like finds things but we had no, the same it problem actu- it was the actual company and i was just like fuck off like i had to go back and trim the third episodes uh for the for the youtube versus the podcast and mm-hmm. I, I hated having to do that because really i was only over like 15 seconds of what i would consider fair use which is yeah. like less than 30 so second upload really... hasn't been taken down 
I'm okay. I'm mm-hmm. okay now. So it's but, fine. Um, yeah, I we had Nintendo con- shit on us for posting a Breath Nintendo of the Wild thing. Fuck you, dude. And it sucks because the footage was completely ours. Literally, we made everything. The only thing we didn't make was the goddamn game, and we had the video almost immediately well, that's pulled. For them. I think that it was less than let, 24 hours. You cannot let's play you, uh, uh, Nintendo video games. Clearly you, not. You so really warning for and anyone it's such a else shame out there. I, I remember back when the Wii was huge. Like when the Wii came out, I was the person who was waiting for the Wii. Mm-hmm. Like that midnight in December. Like out in the cold when it's snowing, like in my like Link hoodie, waiting for Twilight Princess that night. God, Twilight um, Princess is so important to me. Skyward Sword, just as good. Um, so Zach and Wiki, really great indie developed game from Capcom. I think not a lot of headlines, not a lot of like they didn't get a lot of attention, but probably one of the best games on the Wii, um, next to like Okami and um, No More Heroes. Um, I fucking love No More Heroes. So I love everything Grasshopper does. I remember they were doing a Let's Play. Mm-hmm. I remember, like, this is a long time ago. Someone was doing a Let's Play for Zack and Wiki and just got shut the fuck down from that point forward. I was like, you can't Nintendo Let's Play anymore. Damn. I've known that lesson for maybe ten years. Well, we got we figured that we'd, like, put our toe in the water and then our entire leg was immediately bitten off by a shark. So mm-hmm. we learned the best. We, yeah. le- we learned the best lesson that you can possibly learn when you're putting anything up on YouTube. It happens to the best of us. Mm-hmm. That's the true creepy. That's the true creepy pasta corporations life life is the true creepypasta (laughs) uh specifically with feminism the world is going to be such a better place when all the baby boomers are dead (laughs) and i feel shitty saying that because all i have four parents all of my, my parents got divorced and remarried and i love all of them to death but when that entire generation is gone, <laughs> the world is just going to be full of so much love. Because us as a generation are going to make the best parents, the best atmosphere for our kids to grow up in. If they stop fucking and doing drugs when they're 12. Like, that's the worst thing about generations below us right now is that they've touched on all the things we had in moderation. Mm. I didn't start smoking until I was like 14 or 15. Like, now I see, like, I know people who started drinking when they were 12. I'm like, where the fuck are you from? Australia? Yeah, really? So, like, where did you live? But like, I can't, I can't help but just be like, all you business owners and everyone, like I'm big middle finger out there to literally the entire generation that ruined our socioeconomic structure of our country when the when the world no longer has people who don't believe in global warming, we will be a much better place. Mm. I can I have to agree with you honestly. I'm like lucky because my parents are technically Generation X, I think. Okay. So they're so like mine are just like on the tip. They're like yeah, they're in that weird like space, but I'm pretty sure that they count as Generation X. And I grew up like I was lucky because even though you know I grew up back down on the farm down south in the mm-hmm. Bayou of North Carolina, <laughs> the Bayou. I, the Bayou. <laughs> Where everyone's marrying their cousins. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Flying the good old Confederate flag. <sighs> I'm gonna have a flag burning party over the summer. Fuck I can't yeah. g- fucking wait. That shit needs to go. Con- and that's what I mean. Like, no one in our generation, no one sensible in our generation still, like, shows off the confederate flag unless they were raised by you know you should you should def come visit me in north carolina sometimes because i I wish i could i wish i could agree with you but i oh my god you know going to high school in north carolina is an it's an experience yeah i am a worse person honestly for like existing but (laughs) in the same vicinity but goddamn, it's just it's intense because you always think like the nobody would 
really believe in these things. Like, you know, you think that they're all just trolling, right? And that they're oh, all totally. just, like, fucking with you. It's hard not to. But they're they're not. Oh, they're no. They're not at they all. They are totally <laughs> serious, and it you, makes it all the more sad. You walk, into, you walk into the parking lot, and there's, like, a conglomerate of, like, Jeeps and trucks. trucks. What is the plural of Jeep? Whatever. And, like, it's trucks, Jeeps, Jeep-I. 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 And, but it's like, in joke there, uh, my mom drunk on wine once, once read a card for Cards Against Humanity. Oh no. It said the answer was geese and she read geese and we will not let her live it down. No. Okay. So my mom, she's like a youth leader, right? At a church. And she has been for years and years and years. She's my the directors of, she's the director of children's ministries. And she, I brought out, she got me Cards Against Humanity for Christmas, right? And my my mother's a wonderful woman. Yeah. And my my father is also a wonderful, he's not a wonderful woman, he's a wonderful man. He's a wonderful woman. <laughs> he's Great gorgeous. Tits. And he, he, so we all sat down, because mom was like, we're going to play a card game together. So we Holy all sat shit. down. I warned her beforehand. See, all my parents are raunchy as fuck. Oh, I yeah. No, I have no problem paying. paying I know. So me. we all sat down to do it, right? And my mom kicked all of our asses. Like totally. totally laid me out. Yeah. I was I was humiliated. Yeah. I was just like, my this shouldn't be a thing. It was so embarrassing, but also hilarious. That I game something. is fifty percent knowing your audience, fifty percent playing your right cards. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, my mom, we played that on Easter with a uh, with my uncles and my entire family, which is like ten people. Oh my god! And um, my mom won both games, and I'm someone who <laughs> wins Cards Against Humanity every time we play it because i just know how to play people mm-hmm. and um she she won both she destroyed five round yep. games and god that's amazing was, i've never been more impressed and more disappointed in my life yep that's basically how i felt because we were playing on christmas night together we all, I was getting trashed yep. it was a good time oh, would man. recommend family family bonding yeah this is this is lots of pasta getting back into it. Uh, this is the podcast where we read and talk about the creepies and the pastas and uh, the creepy we, pastas. The creepy pastas. And uh, last episode I had you on, we read some uh, some stories from uh, on some unsettling stories to read alone at night. Uh, it, it was definitely unsettling to to re-edit that episode because that one story, man, it just fucks with me. And um, <laughs> it's. You know, first episode came out great, so here we are again, uh, Captain Death and Cannibal Siren. The first story uh, we're going to read, uh, I guess I should precurse, is uh, I'm sober now. I hate being an adult. Anyone listening, I encourage you to pour yourself a glass of scotch. I had scotch the other day and absolutely hated it. Um, <laughs> I was about to say, I'm a rum girl, so... I'm, I'm a rum and uh, whiskey kind of guy, and I'm, I'm, a rum, I'm a rum and whiskey girl. And uh, <laughs> Of course. When... Uh, one, you know, pour yourself a nice glass, sit on down. I hope you're not listening to this at work because your boss will probably fire you. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we'll call the cops on you. Or, you know, smoke a blunt. I wish I could. Uh, I'm not, and I won't be able to for a while, so do it for me. <laughs> do it for Johnny. Mm-hmm. So this first story we're going to read is called, it's from Reddit No Sleep, just to, to break in the episode. This one's called, Does Anyone Else Remember This Pop Song from Around 2008? Uh, it's a fun one. There are a couple riffs. A lot of people have taken to this one uh, to actually kind of do the song and post it on YouTube. Mm. So I didn't listen to them. I don't know what other people want the song to sound like, but we're going to try and sing it. Okay. I'm down. I'm on that shit. Okay. So does anyone remember this pop song from around 2008? I used to work on my university campus radio station in college. 
We used to talk about current events around the school, any news around the surrounding town, and played requested songs for students, something our school surprisingly allowed. I remember a very weird couple of months where students who tuned into the show constantly requested a song called See You After Babe, a pop song by some one-hit wonder group called Symmetry Icon, the dumbest name for a band I've ever heard. Bitter ass. <laughs> I could have written this in high See school. See after, babe. <laughs> but that song was huge around October and November of 2008. What a time to be alive. I remember 2008. It was fun. I, I think I can't remember if I was having a good time in 2008 or if that was when I stopped having a good time forever. I, I was going to say, that's remember. right. That's right when I hit my streak with smoking a whole lot and fucking a whole lot. So Ugh. that's probably the best best point in yeah. my life. You're older than me, though. I am a couple years older than you. So that maybe was, 2008 was much different for me. It was a little bit different for me because I'm pretty sure I was... I can't count. That's okay. I would have I would have been 13. I say I was... How old are you now? I'm 21 now. Yeah, okay, so I'm 24. Mm-hmm. So, so you're like so old as shit. Yeah, I was in high school at that point. I was just, I was pretending yeah. I was sad. <laughs> nice. In, um, back in the day when being emo was really cool, you know? Oh, you don't have to remind me. I, I just uh, deleted the pictures of my straightened hair. From <gasps> high no, I could have I seen think, that. No, I think there's a couple on Facebook. Okay, good. Still. Then I'm just going to have to troll through your Facebook and that's, comment on like some of the old ass photos. That's great. Yeah, so we're going to have a good time with that later. Anyway, as one of the campus radio DJs, I had to play that song over like a hundred times in two months. I heard it everywhere, in malls, gas stations, on real radio stations, and I think even on MTV. Something was weird about that song, but I couldn't remember exactly what. I tried googling the song and band, but nothing came up in the results for either. Not even YouTube had a single clip of the song. I frequent an alumni page, Facebook page for my school, and I posted a question there asking if anyone remembered the song. The post got a bunch of likes, and a lot of people started hitting me up about things they recall about Symmetry Icon's mysterious hit. One girl wrote to me that she couldn't remember how it went, but that the lyrics were kind of awkward and unconventional. Another classmate told me that the song was so catchy that it was stuck in his head for like weeks. A week went by since I had posted on the alumni page, and then I got a message from a guy that used to live in the dorm next to mine named Matt. Matt private messaged me asking if I had found any leads about the song. I told him no. He told me that he had nothing but bad memories about that song. Here are his messages verbatim. Note, Paul was his dorm roommate. That's Philly for you. Someone's upset. Maybe it's Paul. Yeah, dude, I haven't heard that song since that year. I remember Paul would always crank it up in the room. I can't remember how it went, but I remember it was kind of unusual and not a typical pop song, but everyone loved it. I couldn't stand it. Paul really loved it, though. He was always humming it. Then one day, I never heard the song again, and Paul was acting totally strange. Paul was pissed. (laughs) He was always partying and outgoing and shit, but around that time, he got super depressed. And what was up? And he said that he couldn't get the song out of his head and that it's gone forever now and he'll never be able to hear it again. IDK, if you know now, dude, but Paul is still not doing so well. He's got no job, no girl, hardly ever talks to anyone. Sounds like me. I was about to say. (laughs) (laughs) I message him every now and then. He says, just says how he misses 2008 when life was good. I told him to see a shrink, but he says that won't help. He just needs something new to listen to. He's a part of that alumni group, and I know he's seen your post. I'm worried he's going to snap, dude. Can you talk to him? I messaged Paul soon after asking him how he was. Hey Paul, long time no see man, how you doing? Sal, 
Here Fucking sound. sound. We got another <laughs> That's sound. That's me. We got a sound. Oh house. no. No, but this is a good sound. Okay, yeah, are you not, sure? This is not episode three, Sal. I thought that Sal was a good Sal too, but we were all mistaken. I don't trust this. No, this is a good Sal. I've read this story before. Sal. You could believe me. Or Paul. Sal, yo, good to hear from you. Have you been, bud? I'm okay, just trudging along as always. That's good. I saw what you put up on the uh, alumni page, dude. That song was my life. I miss it so much. I can't believe it's gone. Well, I'm sure someone can find it. Nah, man, it's gone. That's how the world is. Things come and go. S- S- C? S-I? S- Symmetry Icon? Oh, yeah. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Symmetry welcome. Icon made a song that was alive, and now it's dead. Man, I miss it. Those were the days. Uh... I know I'm acting weird. <laughs> Matt always says I need to go get some help, but I don't. I, I just need to hear the song again, and it sucks knowing I never will. Freaked out. I stopped talking about the song after that, and just resumed making small talk with him until we both signed off. The next evening, not even 24 hours later, I come home from work to see people posting on Paul's Facebook wall with R.I.P. and all sorts of condolences. Paul killed himself that day. YOLO! What the fuck? (laughs) This is your fault for asking a question on an alumni page, you disgusting heathen. This is an (laughs) evil Sal. I was horrified to hear that he had done it by stabbing himself in the face multiple times. What the fuck? Yo. How can you... How does that work? Yo, Paul figured it out. I mean, you know what? Good for him. I just... Do you think he just, like, taped a knife to his door and, like, ran into it? (laughs) Or, like... Okay, never mind. I like to think of... I like to think of the... What's... What's the movie? Um... Orlando Bloom, he's on an exercise machine and he ties a knife to the front hoping that it just stabs him repeatedly whenever, whenever he jogs on it. What? No, I don't You've know never that, seen that no, movie. No, I don't know that movie. Oh, fuck, what's it called? Elizabethtown. It's all about manic pixie dream girls. It's a real nightmare. Um, that sounds awful. But, uh, <laughs> It's a Cameron. It's a Cameron Crowe flick. So uh, if you've ever seen Vanilla Sky, mm-hmm. um, Almost Famous, if you like any of this, you'll you'll totally be into it. Got it. All right. So Paul kills. Paul stabbed himself a lot. Like Orlando and, Bloom. Yes, like Orlando Bloom. And the thought that I was one of the last people he talked to made me feel even worse. Matt messaged me that day too. It was because of the song. I'm sorry, Sal. It's not your fault. Just really like that song. Well, I think about it now, it wouldn't have been in the best taste to do. Right then and there, I thought it would be a great idea to find See You After Babe somehow and put it up on Paul's wall. Just for some sort of closure. I spent the entire following week asking Yahoo Answers, posting on- talk about 2008. I was say, he's really getting to the bottom of this shit. Posting on music forums and commenting on YouTube videos of 2008 pop songs. Nobody knew anything about the song or band. I had put up my email on some of these, but heard nothing until last night, December 27th. In my inbox was a message from someone named Brad Hoskins. The subject was Song by Symmetry Icon. Attached to the email was an mp3 pile, and in the body was this. Hey, Sal. I saw your post on forum inquiring about Symmetry Icon's song See You After Babe and thought I'd send you an email to clear things up and perhaps dissuade you from your search. I'm sending this to you with the hope that you will keep things discreet as there are not a lot of people who know anything about this song and should the nature of it be released it won't exactly be hard for any higher ups to pinpoint who spilled the beans. But you seem like a nice guy and I don't want you to do something you'll regret. Symmetry Icon was a young three-member pop group that started up in 2007 and came out with an album by 2008. Hard to believe 2008 is close to being a decade ago, but obviously you know how a lot of pop music was in that year. It was catchy, not too technical, upbeat, but not very hardcore clubbish yet. 
kind of cheesy synth sounds. Look at Billboard's Top 100 for that year, you'll see what I mean. Well anyways, I was working as a part-time engineer for a sort of smaller record label that was trying to find a big break. They thought they found it in Symmetry Icon because the group was very talented, especially for being so young, all three were 19 to 21 in age. It was crazy how they could just start playing around other instruments and just come up with some tune catchier than anything else the label had produced. While Symmetry Icon was signed on for our label, their manager was an outside hire that came with them like a packaged deal. This guy was the definition of weird. He looked like a stereotypical slimy businessman. The kind of big winner businessman that will be better without in 20 years. <laughs> he was super close with the band though, and they wouldn't drop him no matter what deals the label dangled in front of them. At every recording session and every meeting, that weird manager was right there whispering into the band's ears. It felt like behind every song and every decision was that creepy guy. The band was even comfortable telling us that for the most part their manager was coming up with the ideas for the songs. So one day the band misses a recording session because the lead singer's girlfriend is caught in a car accident that destroys her face. Damn. I had seen the girl before, she was absolutely beautiful, but after the accident she looked like a monster. No right eye, lips gone, a forehead that caved in, it was horrific, and she knew it was too, so unfortunately it ended up killing herself though I'm not sure exactly how. Yeah. We were all very bummed about it at the studio. The lead singer for the band, Andrew, was devastated. We told him to take some time with any new material, but at the next session we saw him come in and with a new song the band had written themselves. They had given their creepy manager the slip. When we asked where he was, Andrew just said he could go fuck himself. Oof. Well, the song they brought in was See You After Babe, something Andrew had written in light of his girlfriend getting disfigured. It was a catchy and upbeat, but unlike anything the band had recorded for us. They handed us the lyrics, and we were taken aback by how odd they were. I've been holding onto a copy of them for years now. I just wanted to be a big name for you, but I got caught up in this craziness without you. We made a deal with him. He said he'd rise us up in exchange for something small. But he took your, but he took your, but he took your. At first it was just little things, and then it came to this. I didn't think he'd take something that I'd actually miss. But he took your, but he took your, but he took your. It wasn't an accident, I'm so sorry, I'll see you after, babe. But he took your, but he took your, but he took your. Depressing stuff, yeah? Yeah. At the studio, we thought so too. Plus, the chorus was four words and an incomplete sentence that went off into a four-note riff, so we doubted its potential. <laughs> but we still recorded the entire song, mastered it, and sent it to the higher-ups who loved it and thought it would be a big hit. It went out to quite a number of radio stations who played it like they would any other single. After a week, DJs asked us to interview the band, but Symmetry Icon wanted nothing to do with the press. One day during another session, their creepy manager barged into our studio and started screaming at Andrew and the band for releasing that song without his approval. Andrew started yelling right back about how he didn't want any of this, how he just wanted to play music and not get drawn into anything too serious. The manager was freaking out, saying the band would be nothing without him, and how Andrew was one who made the deal in the first place. I specifically remember Andrew saying, It was supposed to be just blood from us, not anyone else. Ooh. The manager stormed out of the studio, going on about how he was going to ruin the song and the band for this said that he was going to make anyone who liked the song end up like Andrew's girlfriend. We never saw that guy again. Deal with the devil? Clearly. Some kind of demon. After Whatever that, the fuck. <laughs> yeah. After that fight, the weirdest shit I've ever seen in the industry happened in regards to the song. 
people were really getting into it. We even had huge companies trying to purchase rights to have the song in their commercials. For a month, we heard it on the radio all the time, but suddenly we got calls from radio stations saying that their listeners were acting weird about the song. It was the only thing they ever requested, and they called constantly to hear it. One station's DJ kept calling us daily to meet the band to talk about their life-changing track. He (laughs) even left voicemails screaming at us to meet the band. It started scaring the higher-ups at the label. People were getting calls, deaths death threats, and all sorts of horrible shit just to hear a stupid pop song. It was like it was a drug. Symmetry Icon dropped off the face of the earth. They wouldn't respond to our calls or anything. Soon the label and studio were both visited by these government types who wanted to see if everything was okay with our operation. Our CFO was interviewed about the nature of the track and was told that something weird was going on with the people who were exposed to it for too long. I never heard exactly what the CFO was told, but the rumor was that people were offing themselves because they couldn't get it out of their heads. It affected some people more strongly than others, but those who did killed themselves in a very specific way that freaked the label out, and they pulled the song. With the help of those government guys, the label pulled See You After Babe and removed any trace of its existence. The staff was never told why, but for a lot of 2008, we heard stories of agents going to radio stations and stopping DJs from playing the track, even arresting those who persisted. As if this wasn't disturbing enough, we later heard that all three members of Symmetry Icon had killed themselves not long after the song was taken off the air. Apparently, they had sliced up their own faces with shards of glass and bled to death. They left a note saying that they'd never be able to stop See You After Babe, and there was no point in trying. They were haunted by the song and used glass to try and dig it out. I'm not sure if you believe in the supernatural, but I'm telling you right now that there's a shady reason why you can't find that song anywhere. It's some bad voodoo. It makes people do some fucked up things to themselves. I know you want to do this for your friend, and I'm sorry for your loss, but trust me when I say you will never find the full song. That shit is buried. For a long time, we were told to immediately let the company know if the song was played anywhere. I heard it in a dressing room mall at one time when I was out shopping around mid-2010. I recorded it on my phone at the time to show my bosses, but kind of never got around to showing them. The issue hadn't been discussed in a bit over two years, and I... Never heard it again after that. I like to think to it every now and then, and think over all the things that happened because of it. My recording is attached to the email, sorry in advance about the coffin there. It would have been nice to hear the whole thing, but I honestly was too afraid to stick around to listen to it. Only listened to it a couple times, and then never opened the file again. Whatever happens with the song, it kicks it in. While you listen to it repeatedly, please be careful. And if you ever hear the full song out in public, get the hell out of wherever you're hearing it. Like I said, I don't know what you believe, but I for one am damn sure that Symmetry Icon made some sort of deal with the devil, and this song is punishment for breaking that deal. Please be careful. Best of luck. Brad Hoskins. Damn, son. Alright. <laughs> That's fine. I downloaded the file and listened to it immediately. What the fuck? <laughs> It's I, I recognized the song the second I heard it. I have no idea whether or not Hoskins is telling the truth, so I put the clip up on YouTube and sent it to some friends to see if they recognize it. They all agree this was the song, including Matt. I don't know what to make of this. I mean, it is kind of catchy in an out there kind of way, and I've listened to it a few times just because it is kind of enjoyable and reminds me of my days in college. Does anyone else remember See You After Babe from 2008? I just... I need to hear the whole song again, and it sucks knowing I never will. Chords progress naturally from F to A to C to E. But he took your F, A, C, E. Ah. That's the punch that I love so much about this story. I get it. 
Uh-huh. I get it. Well, that's what... Who the fuck makes a deal with the devil for anything like that? And, like, is like, yeah, sure, man, we'll give you some blood, make us famous, because that's... Let me see if this picks up. <sighs> it's really... It's literally 15 seconds. There's a cough in the middle of it, but I honestly think we emulated it pretty well. It's like a low synth, mm-hmm. and it's just like... And all you hear is the, um... Buddy took your buddy... And it's kind of haunting, to be completely honest. Creepy. But yeah, but yeah, what did you think of that? I think that the moral of the story is to don't make any fucking deals with the devil, you pieces of shit. I mean, and at also, least be smart enough if you're going to, to not fuck it up. Yeah. You know, to not make it harder on I yourself. Just... You're already doing something, you know, mm-hmm. completely... Horrible. And yeah. you know what else, though? Like, also, like, if you got an email like that from a guy after all of this crazy shit happened, saying all of that with the link to the song. You don't like, open that link. Why would you open the link? You don't open Like, that who link. does that? This is yeah. why white people die in horror movies. This is exactly like, why this white is, people die in horror movies. It's so sad. Yeah. That guy's fucking dead. <laughs> that dude's fucking dead. So, you know what? I. He said it at the very end, like, the two, the last line of the actual story mm-hmm. is, like, I just want to listen to the whole song again, which clearly shows that he's losing it. But I went and found, like, mm-hmm. to make sure the chord, like, the chord progression is, like, a, is, like, it was, like, attack on the Reddit thread. Like, yeah. someone, someone was, like, just so everyone knows, the real kicker here with the file, because mm-hmm. it plays the tone, mm-hmm. is that those four chords are F-A-C-E. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I have to put that in. That's, that, that's so good. That is it's so, so good. good. Someone was real dedicated. And that's like, attention to you detail. You could actually, like, I haven't... I'm ooky spooky about shit. So there is a full <laughs> rendition of the song by an actual band on YouTube. They don't... I don't think they claim to be Symmetry Icon. They might. But... The song itself isn't good. I skipped through it. I listened to the, I listened <laughs> Sorry, that was I was pretty much I was pretty much just like ha, 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 like done. Like I'm not listening to this entire song. I feel like I would have lost it. But um No, I'm the yeah. same way. I'm so fucking paranoid. Like I mean I was telling yeah. you earlier, I don't like need any more I, reasons. I won't even play horror games. Like I have to watch yeah. other people play them and yeah. I have to watch with other people because I am like like think of the littlest bitch you know and then make it littler <laughs> and that's me. Yeah. I'm the littlest bitch. It's like a children's <laughs> book, but like not. Oh, and it's about somebody who's really sad. <laughs> I love that story, though. That's yeah, a, that's, that's a good a story. One. I really liked that, actually. Especially since, you know, I was, like, pr- a young teen, like, a preteen in, two- yeah. in 2008. So that Dude, was, if like... They were to write, if they were to try to tell us, like, Sugar, We're Going Down was about two people trying to kill themselves. Which it, it pretty much is. Yeah, I was about you to know, say, isn't it, though? <laughs> it's about depression. It's about, like, a very... um uneven handed relationship but ultimately it's like the message is still like be better than this so like fucking love know, that song. if there were so many if there were just as many messages about that like yeah we we got helena mm-hmm. literally all about death love mm-hmm. that song mm-hmm. so i mean i totally get it Any i totally that get emotion. it <laughs> um this next one is from stories to read alone at night we're gonna read another short one and then we're gonna get into a long one so i hope people can like fucking sit and take it get ready for the long um, haul yeah the long one is is gonna be uh it doesn't have a great punch but it's just kind of weird and that's why i like about it i had to read i've read all of the stories to read alone at night Mm -hmm. i had to just to make sure the material was good because like i said last time they came from a weird website Mm -hmm. this is kind of like deep web bullshit Mm -hmm. it's not but it it claims to look like that Mm -hmm. so this one's called eleanor from stories to read alone at night pitch black you can't see a thing cold hard floor head throbbing hard to think jogging you were jogging through the park starting to come back to you now. Well, it's a good thing I never jog. 
Same. <laughs> Exercise, what's that? You had just crossed the lane by the cherry trees. You were rounding the maintenance shed. Hurts to think. You were jogging through the park. It was warmer than usual. You were rounding the maintenance shed. You quickened your pace because you never trusted the look of that old shed. You're shivering. The floor is cold and hard. It saps the heat from your bare legs. You sweep the immediate area with your arms but find only hard cement floor. You try to stand but immediately fall your hands and knees. Your head spins, you can't get your bearings in the dark. You crawl a few feet until you run into the wall. You turn and use the wall to guide you along the perimeter of the room. There must be a door. You only make it a few more feet before hitting your head against something metal. The impact causes your headache to flare. Bars, iron bars. They're cold and sturdy. You push but they don't give. You were rounding the maintenance shed. You quickened your pace because you never trusted the look of it. You saw someone lying by the side of the path. You again follow the bars. There's no way out. Iron bars and a concrete floor. You could try climbing over them, but you can't trust your legs to stand. You hear a quiet rumble. You slowed your pace as you approached the body. It was a woman lying face down. She was wearing jogging gear. You stopped. You asked her if she was okay, but she didn't respond. You crouched down and gave her a gentle shake, but she was limp. You hear the rumble again, followed by a sniffle. The sound reverberates through the room, making it impossible to locate the direction. Another sniffle. You realize that you're not alone. You gave her a gentle shake, but she was limp. That's when you noticed a pool of blood forming around her head. You put your fingers to her neck, but you couldn't find a pulse. She was cold. You hear the quiet rumble again, the muffled sniffle. Hello? You whisper. Is there someone there? I'm here. The voice is shaky, but you can make it out that it's a girl, and she sounds young. What's your name? You ask. I'm Eleanor. She whispers. Be quiet or he'll get mad. Who will get mad? <laughs> you say in a hushed voice. I'm not allowed to talk about him. She says. But he always gets mad when he loses one. You hear the rumble again. I'm sorry. She says. I'm just so hungry. Her words make you realize that you could die here. You need to get out. You cannot rely on the mercy of a man who keeps a little girl locked away like this. You need to escape and you need to bring Eleanor with you. God only knows what he's done to her. You need a plan. Doesn't he feed you, you ask? Yes, but sometimes he forgets or gets mad and then he doesn't. Sometimes there's no food for a long time. Does he do anything else, you ask? Does he hurt you? She whimpers and says she doesn't want to get in trouble for talking. How long have you been locked in this room? You ask in the quietest voice you can. I don't know. She answers. A long time. You must miss your parents. They're dead. He told me that. You need to find a way out. You need to find it now. He knows you're injured. He might not be expecting you to be up and moving yet. You could surprise him if you act quickly. Your vision is blurry, but your eyes have adjusted to the darkness. You can make out the shapes of the bars. They run to the ceiling. You shake the bars again, looking for a weak link. But you cannot find one. Is there a way out of here? You ask, trying to sound calm for Eleanor. There's a door, but it's always locked. She answers. Your throat burns and your stomach tastes metallic. Your head throbs relentlessly. You need to move fast. There's the door. You need to get to it. But first, you need to get out of this cage. You search your pockets. They've been picked clean. Time passes. Eleanor stopped answering your questions. She's so afraid. You could save her. You could stand beside the door and rush him when he opens it. You could run. You could carry her if you had to, if she couldn't keep up. You hear a metallic click. It came from the bars. You search the bars until you find the latch. It's no longer locked. You open the door to your cage and quietly call for Eleanor. 
I'm here, she says. It is so dark, and you don't notice her until she's standing right in front of you. You kneel down to whisper in her ear. She is small and thin, wearing only a white nightgown. Your pulse quickens as you run the plan through your head. Eleanor, you say. We need to get out of here. We need to escape so he won't hurt you anymore. We'll make some noise, and when he comes, we'll run through the door. Do you understand? Yes. She says meekly. Okay, good. Now, why don't you start calling out for him so he comes out and we can get out of here? I don't think that's a good idea. She says. Why? You ask. Because he gets mad when I play with my food. She says pleadingly into your ear. You are so surprised by the rows of saber-pointed teeth bearing into your neck that you don't even think to scream. Nice. Just short, short, quick, to the point. You I know, like I like I like how they set up atmosphere in these stories. Yeah, um, yeah. Do you remember the one we read last time? The one about the the wiki with the email. Yes. And the and the the deal with the devil again. Yeah, know, again, more more demonic. Yeah, it's it's fun though. No, it is. I'm down for that. I mean, I'm not actually. If some demon, like, okay, if a demon showed up at your house and Cross just rest, like, yeah. yeah, and just showed up and was just like, hey, bud, what's up? You want to make a deal? <laughs> And, like, had a cool hat and everything, you know? All cool that demon that, shit. That's the hooker. Yeah, definitely. Cool like, <laughs> promised you fabulous riches and fame and renown and good health and all that shit. <laughs> Would you do it? Oh, fuck yeah. Really? A, you only live once, and, and I don't believe in the afterlife, so frankly, it's like, fuck it, let's do it. See, I'm, like, I'm too, I'm You're not... You're No, I'm, da- I'm not down for that bad juju. And plus, I don't know what the fuck he's gonna do to me and the that's people true. I love. I that's mean, you true. saw you what don't... happened to that symmetry icon lady. Yeah, that's She wasn't true. even involved, and she got hecked up. I don't want to be ugly. <laughs> I don't, like, my face is all I got. I don't want to lose that. That's true. And they know that. Yeah. You can't true, trust them. Again, you have drama experience, so I'd like to think you could run with this. Back in the day. Um, right. This next one is also another story to read alone at night. This one's a little long, so that you get comfortable, you know, take another hit, you know, spark it up. Uh, this one's called Channel 71. I didn't want to say too much over the phone because I didn't want to jinx this, Karen said, pulling into the driveway of a small mid-century bungalow. The moment I saw this house, I thought of you, but it gets better. It was a foreclosure, and I know for a fact the bank is eager to get it off their hands. Peter stepped from the car and surveyed the house. It was small, but the architecture was exactly what he was looking for. And just look at the neighborhood, Karen said. Many of the owners in this street have been here for decades, and there's a real pride of ownership. She was right. The neighboring homes all had manicured lawns and fresh paint. Honestly, she continued, for your budget, this is your one chance to live so close in. They approached the front door, and Karen retrieved the key from the lockbox. Before you look inside, you should know that foreclosed homes aren't always in the best condition. My contact at the bank said the previous owners stripped the house down pretty good. That's fine. Peter responded. I was planning on doing some work anyway to really make it mine. The two entered through the front door, which opened to a small living room. The house was dark, and Peter could see that all the light sockets and fixtures had been removed. But it still had built-in cabinets with leaded glass and a fine bookshelf. A fine bookshelf. A fine bookshelf, not indeed. A, not a good bookshelf, <laughs> or an okay bookshelf, but a fine... Rich mahogany. Yes. The hard woods creaked underfoot. The living room opened to a small breakfast nook with a galley kitchen and another narrow hallway led to the two small bedrooms and bath. It was small, what a real estate agent would call cozy, but Peter felt it was perfect. He could look beyond the stripped hardware and dingy paint to what the house could be if he lived here. This is it. He exclaimed. Let's put in the offer today and make sure we get it. Don't you want to run this by Annie first? Karen inquired. 
No, she'd agree, and this is too good of an opportunity to miss out on. Peter knew Annie would find it equally as perfect, and besides, they didn't live together, so it was ultimately his decision to make. Karen did as he instructed, and three weeks later, the deal was sealed. Peter spent that time planning his big move. He threw out his old furniture and futon, planning to start from scratch with the house to ensure every piece of decorum suited the age of the home and reflected his aesthetic. He and Annie had countless conversations about appropriate colors, furniture, pieces, and even what size bed to buy. She was just as excited as he was, and even though he hadn't brought up the subject of her moving in, she was already treating the home as her own. Moving in was a breeze as Peter now had very few possessions. Sorry, I fucking hate moving. Yeah, I know. It's the fakest thing that we've read tonight. He took a week off from work. Also fake. He took a week <laughs> off from work and planned to get the house in a livable condition right away. The first night, he and Annie camped out on the floor of the living room. They listened to music and talked long into the night about their new lives. They woke early the next morning, grogger, groggy, grogger, groggy, but, e- but eager to get to work. They had just finished breakfast when Annie stopped. Did you have strange dreams last night? I don't remember dreaming at all. I guess I was really tired. I just remembered I had this terrible dream, she said. We were sleeping in the living room when suddenly I woke up with this bad feeling. I looked into the nook and there was this shadow, this big black thing. I couldn't make out what it was, but I knew it was watching us and it felt awful. I kept trying to wake you, but you wouldn't budge. No, it's just Roger. He's Peter's imaginary friend. Her memory had made her uneasy. Peter saw her shiver as she recounted what details she could remember. It's probably just a side effect of sleeping in a new place. Besides, it's not like the floor was all that comfortable. Peter responded, wildly stretching his back and groaning. Wild! Wildly! I'm just like, that's not the word I would have picked! Peter and Annie worked long into the evening that day, painting and replacing the fixtures the prior owners had absconded with. This person is fucking homestuck. Anyone who uses the word absconded read homestuck. Probably. You get along with this, go Dracula. God, I hate homestuck. He loves homestuck. I hate him. Yeah. That's why I was was being sarcastic. He's he's a weeb piece of shit. God damn it. Anyway... They were in the minute, in the middle of painting the living room earlier that day when Peter made a discovery. Hey, Annie, do you remember seeing if the house has a chimney? Annie stopped and thought, yes, it does. I'm almost positive. Why? I didn't notice until just now, but there's a mantle and brickwork, but no fireplace. They examined the old brick fireplace, having no explanation as to why someone would f- obscure a feature that increased the home's appeal. Weird. Peter said. These thin bricks here face vertically, opposite of the rest of the mantle and form an oval. That must have been its original shape. I'm definitely going to take care of that this week. Annie dismissed the curiosity, saying it was probably just the fashion of a certain day, like shag carpeting or wallpaper. They set back to work, but the thought of it had wedged itself in Peter's mind. That night, they got takeout, and once again spread out the camping mats for another night on the floor. They complimented themselves on a job well done, satisfied that the house was now ready to be furnished. That night, Annie woke from a restless sleep with the same sense of dread as the night before. She tilted her head to see her alarm clock flashing 12 o'clock. The power must have gone out. Tomorrow's Saturday, she thought. We can sleep in. She rolled to her side, stealing a glance into the breakfast nook. It was watching her. The nook? Yeah, apparently. Mm. Or Roger. Did you name it Roger? Roger. Roger. She tried to reach for Peter, but she couldn't move. 
She squinted, trying to make out what it was, but all she could see was darkness. She steadied her breathing so as not to draw attention to herself while her eyes adjusted to her new surroundings. But still, it was just darkness. A darkness that was without shape. A darkness set curiously out of place against a wall that should have otherwise been illuminated by the moon. She tried to kick Peter, but she could not move. She probably looked like she was sleeping. She was overcome with intense feelings of fear and loneliness. Panicked, she clenched her eyes shut and repeated the Lord's Prayer. Oh, okay. She must have fallen asleep because she woke up with a start the next morning to sounds of birds chirping and the sun illuminating a freshly painted room. Despite the apparent cheeriness of her surroundings, Annie could not shake the chill from the night before. You ever, um, you ever experienced anything about sleep paralysis? Actually, yes, I have had sleep paralysis one time. I would say, uh, my, my ex had a huge thing about sleep paralysis, and, oh I, and I always felt, like, really bad for her. I have a really great flick on Netflix called The Nightmare, all about sleep paralysis. I, I highly recommend it. It's some terrifying shit, some terrifying real-life shit. I, I honestly, I wish I could describe to you the thing that I saw when I was sleep paralyzed, Go but it was- it was legitimately the most it was pro i mean i have some gnarly ass nightmares totally. honestly like <laughs> intense like gnarly nightmares but this was like it was next level shit yeah i have never no i'm telling you like the the shit that it described in that documentary like it it crawl it makes my skin curl it did it was fucking awful definitely one of the worst experiences i've ever had 10 out of 10 would recommend <laughs> Did you dream last night? She asked Peter, who thought for a second, but couldn't remember. You know, I know you don't believe in it, but you could have the house blessed. I know Father Deming would be happy to come over, and it only takes a couple of minutes. She tried to broach the subject gently, but it was obvious that Peter was annoyed. Why don't we get a shaman to come in and burn some sage while we're at it? A shaman. Shaman. He said. Naboo, a shaman. He said. Then it would be twice as blessed. Throw in a witch doctor and maybe money will rain from the ceiling. I'm down, honestly. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Peter was typically respectful of Annie's beliefs, but this house had brought his frustrations with their relationship to the surface. He'd love for her to move in, but she stated that they couldn't live together until they were engaged. He loved her, but it didn't feel like he was ready. He said if they lived together, it would be easier to save the money to get married, which brought the two to an impasse. Annie was tired and annoyed. I was just trying to help, she said. I should go. I have work tomorrow, and I still have laundry and things to do at home. If anyone ever says I should go, like, after a disagreement, no matter how mild it is, it's because of the disagreement. Like, <laughs> yeah. you ruined everything. <laughs> Fuck you. Like, it's, like, that's... <laughs> I, love, I love this next line, too. Peter didn't try to dissuade her. Do you know how many times ever. I've? Do you know how many times I've been in that fucking position? And you've been it's like, like, oh, we disagreed, and you want to leave? Bye. Go. Bye. See, I'm, I'm, I'm always like, I'm the same way. I've been on both sides of that because I, I mean, I have to. Everyone has. Every, but yeah. I, you know, I love relishing and being the asshole in that situation. And being though. like, I'm too bad. <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh, you want to leave? Goodbye. Peace. He set to work that day unpacking the few possessions he brought with him, but his thoughts soon turned to the fireplace. If he knocked those bricks out now, he reasoned it would be easier to clean than when he had furniture in the room. This is true. Mm -hmm. Accepting this justification, Peter took a hammer and chisel and set to work. He's Wait, literally? By himself? God. Okay. He's Damn. a trained carpenter. Good for him. Holy shit. I grew up with a trained carpenter oh, as my father. His name is Peter. Are we getting... Some, We're getting biblical. I mean, I thought John was the carpenter, but regardless, it's a fucking disciple. He's a disciple. Too fucking no, I think, I think Peter was a fisherman, but I'm not sure. Hmm. But, you know, everyone, I, I guess back in that time, you kind of needed to be multifaceted to, like, not die anyway. So he okay. probably had some carpentry experience. Mm -hmm. 
The patch job must have been shoddily done because the bricks came loose with hardly any effort. As Peter removed them, he noticed something rather large in the fireplace. It's Roger. It's Roger. <laughs> he removed the last brick, revealing a piece of furniture with a sheet over it. He thought it was an end table until he removed the sheet to reveal an old television. What the fuck? Channel 71. Perfect. I was wondering when that was going to come in. I assumed it was radio, actually, when they talked about putting in music. The television was in perfect condition, an old cabinet-style set from what he guessed to be the late 60s. It would be the perfect addition to the living room, a real conversation piece. Bro, what the fuck? This is again, again with this and garbage! Again, and it also has to be, like, aged, and while I mean, I'm, I'm definitely, like, the type of person who kind of, like really thinks like aesthetic could pull a room together yeah definitely i'm down for that hipster bullshit tv's in a fucking chimney and tvs are one thing you need to be up to current on like no one's gonna be playing that next gen gaming on like a what kind of boring motherfucker yeah (laughs) what kind of boring motherfucker is this peter guy (laughs) hd tvs now don't even have coaxials anymore you know that Mm -hmm. like fuck off no exactly and also like i mean my blu-ray doesn't work with this Can I charge my phone in this TV? Can you even imagine? <laughs> the like, TV is a microwave, by like, the way. Great. At, at that age, it made everything radioactive. I was about to say, also, like, it'll definitely, it's definitely going to give him testicular cancer. Like, <laughs> yes. without a doubt. Of all and, things, definitely his bowls. And, like, plus, like, what if he just turned on and it just blows up? Like, it's so like, yes. fucking old. It's been like, in it could. Chimney. You and don't if know. it's from the 60s, and if this is set in, like, 2017, yeah. that's, like, 50 something years. That's bad. It's, it's not nuts. even going to. What the fuck? Whatever. What the fuck, Peter? He strained, but was eventually able to shimmy the old set out of the fireplace and into the corner of the room. He dusted the set off. The wood could do with some oil, but other than that, it looked brand new. Bullshit. Like, fuck it did. He plugged the set in and turned it on. It's it's like, it it talks about the wood on the TV. Yeah. Yeah, because that's up to current. (laughs) This must have been taking place in, like, the 80s or something. So maybe it's only been, like, 20 years. I hope so. That would make more sense. At first, there was nothing. But then he could make out a high-pitched whir as the tubes warmed and the screen slowly illuminated, showing a field of static. He couldn't believe it still worked. Me neither. That makes two of us. Or Roger. Or Roger. So where's Roger? Is this Roger's TV? Mm -hmm. Peter adjusted the antenna and ran through the dial, but there was no picture. You think? Digital transition? He muttered, recalling all those announcements about updating analog televisions. No, this has got to be at least in the early 2000s, because I remember this. Oh, no, I... Like, it's... No, I... I, I, For the longest time, I actually used, like, a um, projection-based TV, which is all about tubes. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. We had the rabbit ears and, like, the satellite dish outside. I've never had a rabbit ear. It was, like, it was not for long, and it was mainly, like, at my grandma's house, but then we had, like, the satellite dish that my dad, like, stuck on the outside of our house, and we got, like, six terrible channels. The 90s were fun. (laughs) It was a time. Absent-mindedly, he turned the UHF dial through a series of static when suddenly a picture appeared. What the fuck? Displayed before him was an image of a heavyset man reading a newspaper at a small kitchen table. Even better, the picture was in color, albeit a bit muted and orange-tinted. Who fuck wants to watch this? Peter Sounds watched great. as the man in- intently read the newspaper. This is so interesting. Such an interesting TV program. He was wearing a white t-shirt with suspenders, and the room hung heavy with cigarette smoke, which was tinted orange under the amber lights and the small chandelier which hung above him. Peter watched, but the man never looked up from the paper. He would extinguish a cigarette and mechanically light another, sometimes turning the page of the paper, but he never looked up. Peter studied the man. He was balding and kept the remainder of his dark hair slicked back, exposing a layer of sweat on his shiny forehead. 
It looked like a scene from an old TV show or an old movie, only somehow grittier. What kind of show is this? I was about to say, who wants to sit and just watch... <laughs> who wants to sit and just watch some guy, like, smoke cigarettes and read the newspaper? Andy Warhol. I fucking hate art. Yeah. I hate artists. Mm-hmm. Well, good, good, thing, good major. Good major. Yeah, good major. Ourselves in. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, what ahead. kind of show is this? Peter thought to himself after watching intently for a good ten minutes. That was the line. I yeah. didn't mean to confuse anyone. Yeah, uh, sorry. I was that also, was we my were bad. Also thinking that. But <laughs> yeah, I guess, exactly. But I guess the story is just well, good, well written like that. Yeah, we we got too into it. He grew edgy, waiting for something to happen, but the man kept reading the paper and smoking. Peter grew distracted by the mess of bricks and dust he'd have to clean up and turn off the set to get back to work. Peter returned home later that night after meeting a few friends for drinks at their local bar. He told them about the television and they speculated as to the origins of the strange show and, more pointedly, how the set was able to receive signal. I completely agree, there is clearly something wrong here. They hypothesized about a pirate TV broadcaster, but more likely it was just a hiccup that had gone unnoticed. Peter felt relaxed after a few drinks and settled in for another night on the living room floor. <laughs> Before he could fall asleep, he was compelled to check on the television. If you ever feel compelled to do things also, you should probably just mm-hmm. stop. Or continue drinking and pass out. Yeah, basically. The set again word to life and the same orange image illuminated the screen. The same man was there just as before reading his paper and smoking cigarettes. What the hell? Peter said, not knowing what to make of the image. He studied the scene again, but there was nothing noteworthy. The room was dingy and the wallpaper was painted yellow with nicotine. Other than the wallpaper and the chandelier, there was nothing else in the frame. He laid on the floor and watched the set, but he must have had more to drink than he realized because he was soon fast asleep. When he woke the next morning, the TV was still on and the image was the same, only now it was just an empty room. Peter put his hand on his head. He had a dull headache from the night before. He studied the image for a second before turning off the set and wandered into the shower. It struck Peter that the image was odd, but he dismissed it as some sort of art film. <laughs> he, he, Fuck. Something some film student looped together, or perhaps one of those Warhol films Fuck. where it's nothing but eight hours of someone sleeping. I didn't actually know it was going to say this. I skimmed this story. I didn't. I, again, We're fucking called out. After all, if someone was going to go through the trouble of broadcasting themselves, why not show their art? In a city like Portland, a stunt like this was well within reason. Yeah, that's true. Uh, It is true. I guess I got it. I guess that if they're in Portland, it makes sense why he would keep an old-ass TV that he found in a fireplace, too. He's fucking... Hipsters will be the death of us. That also explains the overuse of the word aesthetic. It does. Everything makes sense now. He spent the remaining days of his vacation time putting the house together. He had a bed and a sofa delivered to the house and spent his afternoons combing vintage stores for furniture. This is so fucking Portland. When he was home, he would turn on the set from time to time to check in on the man. He would see the man playing solitaire, reading the paper, or conversing with some unseen actor. The scenes were all mundane slices of life. But one morning, he turned the set on to see the man reading his paper as normal when a woman suddenly walked into the scene. She was small and mousy in a humble dress and apron, only she was carrying a live chicken. The man looked at her soberly, laid his news soberly, laid his newspaper flat on the table, and took the chicken. Then he grabbed it with both hands and in a single motion snapped its neck. The chicken fell flat on the newspaper with the man looking down on it for a minute before picking it up and handing it back to the woman. Well, I mean, maybe it's not Portland, because that's, like, not vegan. (laughs) Well, again, this this image is from years before, so I imagine Portland has has a history of Chicken neck breaking. Chicken neck breaking. What, what a new state, sport. What state in the U.S. doesn't? Yeah, true. Peter was speechless. An amateur filmmaker pandering for shock and value wasn't anything he hadn't seen before, but what he saw play out before had unnerved him. 
He turned the set off and tried to busy himself with moving furniture, but the succession of events kept playing in his mind. Later, he turned on the set to see the man eating dinner by himself. The table was set for four, but he was alone. Oh, sad man. I think his name is Sal. Um, his name is Sal. Maybe. Maybe it's Roger. <laughs> Peter watched as the man tore at a roasted chicken with his hands, chewing wildly. The use of the word wildly is also good. With his mouth open and discarding the bones by tossing them onto the floor, it was grotesque. The scene of a scavenger on fresh carrion. Juices streamed down the man's chin and he'd occasionally pause for a moment to wipe his mouth with the back of his hand, then return greedily to his dinner. Peter had lost his appetite and decided it best to turn in early for the night. His week-long vacation was nearing its end, and there was still a lot he wanted to accomplish. He showered and performed his nightly routine, only to find himself staring at his ceiling. Was it the new bed? Wait, did he shower twice in one day? I think he yeah. he showered twice in one day. I mean, I, sh- day. I shower a lot. Really? Yeah, when I specifically when I work on the sweat. I mean, that like, makes sense. Uh, yeah. When I have a headache. Yeah, I guess that he's moving shit around. Steam myself up. Yeah. I, I just... I that's okay was it the new bed? no it was comfortable enough the noise? there wasn't any discernible noise it was neither too dark nor too light the temperature was comfortable and he was definitely tired enough he checked the clock it was already 11, 11 11.01, 11.15, 11.18 it was useless he knew why he could not sleep but it refused to even think about what he had witnessed earlier it was just some stupid art film me too Peter it wasn't even well made it was childish It only got to him because he was under a lot of stress. That was all there was to it. He woke to a sharp pain on his arm. It was burning. 3.53. He had fallen asleep, but why was he in such pain? He felt his arm and immediately winced. He got up and turned on the light. He had four freshly painted welts running the length of his forearm. What the hell? He muttered, examining the wound. What would have caused such an injury? Did he scratch himself? An allergy to his detergent, perhaps? His arm was on fire. His head ached and his throat burned. Flesh-eating bacteria? (laughs) Peter went to the kitchen for a glass of water, but was distracted by a light in the living room. You know, I knew a guy who had flesh-eating bacteria. It was in his armpit. What do they call that again? Necrofasciitis? Something like that. It was really, it was, like, it wasn't a big deal. He was fine. But he, like, he would always send Snapchats, and he'd be like, do you want to see my armpit welt? And we'd be like, no, we don't want to see that. And he'd be like, look. Yeah, it was really gross. He must have left the television on. He went to turn it off when he noticed the picture had changed. It was the same room, the same amber glow of the chandelier, only it was the woman who was seated at the table. She was wearing a robe and her hair was in curlers. Her head was bowed in reverence to a small glass of liqueur cupped between her hands. It's me. She looked sad. Was she crying? It's definitely me. <laughs> it's me, yeah. Peter was caught off guard at the sight. He approached the television and that's when it happened. The woman looked up directly at him as though she had sensed him approach. Peter froze, his eyes glued to the screen. And that's when he noticed the woman's eyes. The woman's eye was swollen shut and dyed dark hues of blue and red and purple. The woman stared pathetically at Peter. Aww. Peter stared back in shock. He instinctively grabbed his arm and burned. He felt despair. The woman broke the gaze and looked off screen for a moment before scurrying away. That's when the man came back. He sat himself in the chair as usual and lit a cigarette and looked directly at Peter. Their eyes met. The man was grotesque, sweating, and unwashed but he commanded Peter's full attention. Peter began to tremble, and the man's lips cracked, forming a wry smile. Peter could not look away. 
His mind raced, feelings of blind hatred and emptiness coursed through his veins, the man's smile parted wider, revealing uneven rows of stained teeth agape in the throes of silent laughter. <sighs> Peter woke to loud banging, his head ached and his mouth was dry, his eyes opened to find himself pressed against the hardwood floors of his living room. The banging persisted, he could hear Annie's cries coming from the other side of the door. Peter, Peter, are you there? Peter, open up! He strained his muscles, ached and wondered if he had the strength to stand. Slowly, he lifted himself to his feet. He felt woozy. Peter! Open up! Peter! The banging was relentless. He instinctively looked to the television, and it wasn't on. He rubbed his temples and took a step. His pants were stiff. <laughs> he looked... <laughs> <laughs> Boners. He looks down to see dried urine stains running oh. down the length of his pajamas. Not, Never no, mind. No, he opened the front door. Peter, Peter, oh my god, what's wrong? Peter didn't know how to answer. Why didn't you answer your phone? I've been calling for days. I thought you were mad at me, but when you didn't show up for work today... The words kept trailing through Annie's mouth. Work? Did he miss work? He wasn't supposed to be at work until Monday, and today was... Peter stopped. Annie kept talking wildly, but he could not understand her. He tried to piece together what, he had, what had happened. There was the crown molding, the electrical sockets, the basement, the television. His mind raced, trying to piece together his memories, but they were too diffuse. He took a step forward and abruptly vomited all over Annie's sensible pumps. Annie regained her composure, and seeing the gravity of the situation, promptly bathed Peter and marched him to bed. Thank God. She was an adept caregiver, both soothing and stern when the need arose. Now you stay here, and I'll get you a glass of milk. She said, turning once upon leaving the room to make sure he was following her orders. Peter allowed his body to relax, but his mind would not stop racing. He could not explain his absence from work or even account for what he had been doing the past few days. Was he sick? Was he suffering that ill effect of mold or fungus? Or from monoxide poisoning that would account for the headaches and the man of the television? Surely none of that was real. How could it be? He wasn't witnessing the paranormal any more than he was tripping balls. <laughs> I know how that feels. You're looking better already. Annie said, returning with a glass of milk. Now drink this, and if you keep it down, we'll work on getting some food in you. Peter gulped the milk and instantly felt his strength returning. It was a bug and nothing more, he thought to himself. He might even be ready for work in the morning. He'd forgotten about that, the real world. Annie smiled, apparently happy he'd so readily downed his milk. See, your color's coming back already, she said. Now, how about dinner? Any requests? Peter thought for a moment, then answered, I'd really love some chicken. Oh my god. Okay, any particular requests? She asked. Roasted, he answered. I'd like roasted chicken. He commanded, hardly aware of what he was saying. Oh, okay, we can do that. Annie answered, startled by his tone. I saw some in the fridge. Why don't you rest and I'll make us some roasted chicken? She took his audible sigh to indicate that he was placated and proceeded to the kitchen. <sighs> <laughs> the moment... <laughs> yeah, life... The, same, uh, the moment Annie left, Peter felt a weight lifted from his shoulders. His tone was not warranted, and he should apologize. What had come over him just then? He never talked to Annie like that. He must have wrestled with the question longer than he realized, because before he could make up his mind as to whether or not to apologize, Annie poked her head and informed him that his roasted chicken was ready. Beside himself, Peter rose from bed and not nearly knocked Annie over in a race to the kitchen. She attempted to brush aside his behavior, thinking that he must really be hungry. Yeah, stoner problems 101. <laughs> but when she entered the nook to see him sitting at the table waiting to be served, her indignation set in. Do you want me to serve you? She asked with more of a note of sarcasm. Look, he said, I've had a long enough day as it is. Are you going to give me any chicken or not? Fuck you, Peter. Fine, fine, it's okay. She said. I understand. Let me get that for you. You must be starving. She added. 
Because I found the chandelier in the oven, so I know you haven't cooked a thing since you moved in. That's exactly where it belongs. <laughs> Same though. <laughs> that's like that's nothing describes my life better than a chandelier in an oven. Listen, listen, <laughs> listen. Portland. Portland Department. I want my TV in the fireplace. I want my chandelier in the oven. We're gonna turn this shit upside down. We're gonna make this world topsy turvy. Perfect. Let's go. <laughs> Peter examined the fixture dangling from her hands. It looked familiar. Amber and honey hued. Oh boy. But he could not place it. He was too hungry to think clearly. Are you going to give me any chicken? He demanded. She placed the chicken thighs neatly on a plate and presented it to Peter, who greedily descended on it. The lips smacking the chewing, the bursts of somatic fluid that escaped his greedy lips and streamed down his chin, it was all too much for her to bear. But the chicken bone roasted black and gray and reverberating as it bounced on the hard wood. That was the final straw. You look well enough, she finally said. I'm going home. I have things to do. She started towards the door, but Peter interjected. Don't, he said. Please. Annie stopped. He was sick. His body chemistry was obviously awry. Maybe just a tad off kilter. Don't go, he pleaded. Please, take the bed. I'll sleep on the couch. It's just a... Just that I'm afraid. A small admission of defeat was all Annie needed. Save Annie. Okay, but you stay on the couch, and if you get sick or even feel like you might get sick, I'm taking you to emergency. That was the statement she needed. The statement to bring the stars back into alignment. Don't give me that look. She chided. You can either accept my help or... or suffer. She regretted the choice of words, but that was how she felt. He was in distress. She could help. Or he couldn't be an ass about it. It was his choice. But she wasn't going to put up with it. I'll take the couch. He finally muttered in defeat. Just please don't go. I can't even begin to explain what's happened to me these past few days. Fine. But I'm going to bed, so get out your things and make yourself comfortable. Thank you. But please set the alarm. I'd like to get to work early tomorrow. I talked to your work. We'll cross that hurdle in the morning. Peter gathered his pajamas and a pillow and settled for an uncomfortable night on the couch. He tried to rationalize his behavior but found himself at a loss for words. Low blood sugar, lack of salt, hunger. He woke up to the whirring of a television and an unmistakable crackle as it came to life. Static at first, then a pop, and finally an illumination. Too little sugar, he told himself, but it was no use. The set was aglow, only dimmer now, and the honeyed hues of the previous episodes were replaced by aqua and graphite. Hmm. Did he accidentally change the channel? Did Annie? Then all was saved. He was just suffering from a momentary hallucination. But as his eyes focused, Peter's hopes for a misfiring brain were quashed. Is that a word? Quashed? Yes. Question now mark. It is. <laughs> in the contrast of the moonlight and the shadow, he recognized his alarm clock in the bed frame, even the fraction of the nightstand made visible by the angle of the unseen cameraman. <sighs> the sight of Annie nestled predictably on her side, with her hands cradling her knees, was a cause of alarm. <sighs> Peter gazed intently, mute to the sight displayed before him when he saw the woman looking down upon Annie. She looked up mournfully at Peter, then stole herself away through some off-camera exit that he was certain did not exist. The man wasn't obvious at first. His movements were light and swift, considering his size. He looked at Peter through the television and grinned as he averted his gaze down upon Annie, who was sleeping soundly. Peter stared, wide-eyed, unable to comprehend what exactly was laid out before him. His eyes took in the sight, but it wasn't enough to convince him that the impossible was happening. The man brushed his fat, sausage fingers against Ugh. Annie's hair, then looked up and laughed, a hearty, silent laugh, before his expression turned to a mask of sheer malice. No, Peter cried at the top of his lungs as he raced from the couch to the bedroom. He banged on the door, but it would not give. Annie, wake up, he repeated as he banged the door. He threw his weight against it again and again, but it would not open. Then the screaming started, high-pitched and almost unrecognizable, were it not for Annie's pleas interrupting the agonizing and involuntary cries of pain. Annie, 
Annie, Annie, Peter wailed as he slammed his shoulder into the door, but her cries persisted, rising to viscerous crescendo, both deafening and inhuman, <sighs> then silence. Peter paused and drew a breath, still nothing. His hand still gripped firmly on the doorknob, he twisted his wrist and the door gave. Inside the room was dark, he didn't dare turn on the lights, he didn't need to. He saw Annie's silhouette sat there in the edge of the bed, and he heard the gurgling. She was slumped slightly at the edge of the bed with her hands clenched together before her eyes. Oh god, he exclaimed, trying to process what was laid out before him. He came close to Annie, wide-eyed. He'd never been in a situation like this before. He'd never experienced trauma. He kneeled before her and clutched her hands in his. They were wet. Sounds emanated from her throat. She was slumped forward. Peter put his hands beneath her chin and elevated her head in an attempt to assess her wounds, but she was greeted by an absence that should have been the dimple of her neck, the one he had often spent too much attention on with his tongue, according to Annie. He was still holding her clenched hands, but it was only now that he felt that she was holding something, fingers groping. He felt it sinewy, wet, and moist. It was part of her, the missing part. It was the moistness. It was all over him, her, the sheets, everything. He paused. She fell over, wet and pallid. He paused, claustrophobic. There was no escape. This is real. This is happening. He must have been contemplating the scene, her hands still clutched between his for some time. He couldn't be sure. But he was finally roused from his stupor by the raucous. But what was it? Trembling and tunnel-visioned, Peter emerged from the bedroom. They were shouting. He made his way into the hallway towards the nook, but the shouting only grew louder. His hands were tense, clenching Annie's final gift. Horace Muttershandzug. Again and again. Horace Muttershandzug. He felt the moisture emanating from his hands, then looked down, finally focused. It wasn't the blood so much as the tissue, the cells, the mucus, still technically alive and now posthumously Annie's. It was hers, but what was it? Why was he holding it? Bewildered, he raised his hands. Police, put your hands up. It wouldn't have mattered. The hands, the trachea held firmly in his hands, the blood. The sound was deafening. Though he felt the shock first, repeatedly. Each time the shock, then the sound. Gunfire. He's down, a voice said. Good God. The other replied, the fucker deserved it. It wasn't until the second day that the detective noticed it, the scene being played before his eyes in sepia tone. This is perfect, the detective said. What's that? The recruit asked. This set. The wife has been bugging me for something like this ever since we got that Jew-priced bungalow. You know, I think this set is important. We're going to bring this to evidence. Sure thing, sir. The recruit said. But what is this show? There's no sound. Probably just old, some old sitcom, the detective responded. Not one I've ever seen. It's just two white couples eating. It's probably why you've never seen it, the detective snorted, wondering who was late to the two unoccupied place settings. Just get it into evidence. Sure thing, boss. Oh. Well, uh, Annie and Peter are coming for dinner. Oh. <laughs> But I, I do want to get into some troll ones to lighten up our mood Jesus, a little bit. Man. How did you how did you feel about that? That was a, a spicy meatball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most accurately it was. I, um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to eat like roasted chicken for a yeah, while. Yeah, no, usu- that was. I usually gross. love a good rotisserie, you know. You know, I don't really eat a lot of meat, honestly. Ironically, despite oh, I eat so much meat. Despite my name, I'm a fucking carnivore. I'm just. I, I have eaten chicken like that. Fat guy, by the way, who I'm, <laughs> who I'm now definitely saying is Roger. Okay. So, uh, 
we're, you know, if this isn't your thing, I guess this is one you'll be able to tune out. Um, but that would make you a big nerd. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, you're already listening, so just stick around. Yeah, this um, is going to be great. We're switching over to two short troll pastas just to end out the episode. I'm going to let Cannibal Siren take the first one. This one's called The Sculptor. All right, get ready for action. There was once a master sculptor who prospered in a strict but respected art school. He was excellent in his craft, quickly surpassing the skill of his master and that of his fellow pupils. However, he was too good at his trade, and grew bored after just a few sculptures. They were masterpieces, each perfectly designed and executed, but to the sculptor they were just plain and simple. He wanted something more, something new, something different. He started to experiment with new techniques and different substances, but was discouraged from doing so by his envious artistic peers. He had still been able to make masterpieces unlike any the world had known before. However, in doing so, he had violated many art laws, which his peers took very seriously. I was gonna say, like, I would love for the art, the art cops to come in and art arrest me for Fucking breaking my it. art laws. I was about to say, fight me, art cops. Art okay. cops. I would watch that It's like the vegan police. It is the vegan... That's exactly what I imagined. (laughs) But he didn't listen to them, so they destroyed his statues and exiled him. Then they brought him to a manhole, which led to a sewer and said, Here is your new workspace. Let's see you work with this, and threw him in. What kind of fucking art school is this? Those art cops are crazy. The sculptor looked around. They had sealed him inside the sewer. What was he going to do? He couldn't live here. Covered in grime and sludge and muck, he realized that he would die here, dirty, alone, and unappreciated, worst of all. (laughs) Determined to make one last sculpture, he needed a subject. I'm going to die here, he thought, so I might as well leave a record of my existence, and so the sculptor decided upon a subject himself. Now all he needed was a material I- God damn it. No! (laughs) (laughs) No! But what was there down here that he could use? Looking at his filthy hands, he figured it would be useless trying to stay clean, so he looked around to see a potential material with which to sculpt. Splat. Splish splash. Taking a bath. <laughs> the sculptor turned towards, turned towards this curious noise. It was human excrement. He was in a sanitary sewer. As this was the only thing there, he began to collect it and sculpt. He found that it was actually the best substance he had ever worked with. Shit. The sculptor. <laughs> 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 Art school. The sculptor, basically. The sculptor worked for hours on end without food or water and finished his self-sculpture and signed it, proving his existence. However, he collapsed of exhaustion in the process. Laying in the waste of what could possibly be <laughs> that of his former art peers, he died. Longing to work more with this newly discovered substance, it is said that his ghost still wanders the sewers of the world, traveling through sewage pipe. This is me. <laughs> to collect the materials that he so desires. However, out of his hatred for his jealous art peers, he only creates the most horrific looking sculptures. He will go so far as to gather excrement that he will go to your very own toilet the moment you sit down, sticking his hand just under your bottom with a bag to collect your bowel movements. If you try to look at it, it will disappear before you're able to notice it. And if you get constipated and make him impatient, he will remove your bowels for you. However, if he still does not extract them, he will drag you through the sewers to his workplace where he will show you his terrible sculptures. They'll scare the shit out of you. Get it? But I'm... 
He wants he wants your shit. That's one of the better trolls I've read in a while, that, honestly. That was a time. It's multi-layered, you know? Yeah, I agree. That was very complicated and beautiful. <laughs> a true piece oh, of art. Oh, shit. Literally. I just... Oh, man. That was, a, that was an experience. I don't really know how to describe that except as an experience. Uh, so this is the last troll past of the evening. This one's called Childhood Dream Destroyed. This is good already. <laughs> it's accurate. Yeah, let's go. To life. There is no God. Great. <laughs> there is no heaven. There is no hell. There is only this fucking Dorito disguised as a goddamn greasy looking chicken nugget from McDonald's hell where it was banished for all eternity. What the for fuck? all entirety. What the fuck is this? <laughs> Who would do this? What does the world come to? Thanks, Obama. <laughs> I guess that is. Amazing. You're welcome. Ever since I was a little boy, all I ever wanted was to buy my own bag of Doritos. My mom would never let me eat them. Oh, how I longed for my own bag of Doritos. I would sometimes imagine the smell of opening the bag, sweet, sweet smell invading my nostrils, smelling like a fresh home-cooked ham in December. How I forever wanted to slowly lick my fingers off and taste the dust and shit that gets left over them after you hold it. My mouth would be in heaven after I crunched down on them, chewed, laughed, and I cried as I devoured them. But that all would change tonight. I walked into CVS with much, so much anticipation it would <laughs> finally happen. I would finally buy my own bag of Doritos. I finally made my way to the chip aisle and grabbed the first Doritos bag I found. I paid for them quickly and got the fuck out. My mind, body, soul were all ready and prepared for this moment. It was 19 years in the making. It was everything I've ever dreamed for. As I took a deep breath and opened the bag, I couldn't hold myself from letting out a little scream of joy as I knew this was it, the moment that I had waited a lifetime for. The nightmare of never eating Doritos was at an end. Eating this beautiful bag of chips would be my escape from madness. My lifelong dream would come true. As I ate the first small Dorito, a small single wet tear fell down my rugged face. At the moment, I was in heaven. Just like John Coffey at the end of Green Mile when he was in the execution, care, execution chair crying. That is a hell of a comparison. This was Nirvana, pure harmony at its finest. Just like Cobain, I felt like Luke Skywalker after he destroyed the Death Star and so carefree and light like Miley Cyrus on the Wrecking Ball. Amazing. As I reached into the bag, I felt something round and large. At first I thought, I hit the fucking jackpot, and it was a huge one. The kind of Dorito that comes around once in a thousand years, like a LeBron James in the NBA or Wayne Gretzky in the NHL. Sports. But as I slowly <laughs> and carefully pulled it out, my world shattered and crumbled right before my very eyes. Oh god. There is a moment in everyone's life where there are no words. You're just stuck in the moment. Time has slowed down. You can't think, feel, or move. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't speak. My life flashed before my eyes. A lifelong dream shattered in seconds. I started to shake furiously, my mouth agaped in horror as I stared at the very thing that I had dreamed of, but this wasn't a dream. Oh my god. This was real life and something. Sometimes life doesn't go as planned. I held up the Dorito, no chicken nugget, and let out a blood curdling scream that shook the house to its core and would have made a banshee proud. <laughs> this not what I had dreamed for. This not what MLK, Martin Luther <laughs> King, had dreamed for. There is no light in this world, only darkness. Oh my God. 
and as the winter storm of the century nears closer to Metro Detroit, where I live, and I can only think this is it, my time is up. By standing outside in the storm, I can end it all. The nightmares, the childhood dream, everything. I will leave this earth as a man who is broken and shattered beyond repair. There is no hope left for me. Death is my only option. As my life slowly fades from my dark, cold, brown eyes, as the cold winter storm and snowy tears away at my naked body freezing me to death, I will get down on my knees, throw up my arms, and look up to the heavens and scream, God, why have you forsaken me? And all I will be able to think about as I die is that fucking chicken nugget Dorito from hell, and how the very thing I dreamt about and swore to eat was the death of me. God is dead. There are no dreams, only nightmares. There is no hope in this world. No hope. No hope at all. What an ending. Wow. <laughs> what an ending. What a... At first I didn't understand the punch, but I guess he was just really looking for, like, that, uh... So, so was... Really so was there chicken a chicken nugget. nugget in his bag of Doritos? Or were all of the Doritos... You're asking We can't critically divulge troll pastas. <laughs> chicken nuggets. <laughs> Problem number one is... I guess his expectations were kind of weird you know like maybe he was ready he was ready he to really wanted that last chip i guess and i guess he was just surprised that he got a chicken nugget <laughs> i don't know what i would do though if i found a chip i mean i actually hate all flavored chips so oh, i love chips if i were to find a chicken nugget at the bottom of a bag of doritos i would think i won the lottery so maybe that story doesn't quite make sense yeah because it would be all Dorito flavored, you know, like chicken nuggets Dorito flavored. That sounds nuts. See, I just it's you hate the idea. I uh, see. I you've been grown that way. I love no. I love plain chips. Like if it doesn't have any fucking flavoring and it's just like, what's it's called? It's like just Lay's. like yeah, Ruffles. like Lay's, like anything plain. Then yeah. that's my shit. But yeah. the minute that they put that nasty ass like food dust on it, like powder. I don't have time yeah. for that. It's so gross. I can't oh, deal. Man. I've never had a flavoring that I've liked. I could pound through Cheetos, yo. Oh, I can't do it. These little puffy dust things. Ugh. But it's oh. fine. So, uh, oh man, we had a we had a long episode. I mean, uh, I hope everyone else enjoyed it. I had a I had a fucking hoot. I did too. I had a time. This was fun. Um, you know, you're going back to North Carolina pretty soon. I'm graduating. You know, uh, life. We will cross paths again indeed young siren yes. so i do not fret enjoy <laughs> enjoy your uh enjoy your your break you yeah know, you enjoy next- your graduation you badass i'll try i'll try life uh-huh. i'll give life a chance well wish me luck in banjo country i'm gonna need it <laughs> <laughs> you could just listen to all these episodes and hope you know i don't gain, die yeah gain something out of it hopefully um anything you want to end the episode with uh Final thoughts? Final thoughts? Um, uh, don't turn on any TV sets from the 50s. Don't f- sculpt and shit, and don't find chicken nuggets at the bottom of your Doritos bag. Life lessons we should all live by. Agreed. Alright, so this was Lots of Pasta. Thanks for listening. Two to the one, from the one to the three. I like good pussy and I like good trees. Smoke so much weed, you wouldn't believe. And I get more ass than a toilet seat. Three to the one, from the one to the three. I met a bad bitch last night in the deep.